Let's get out our Bibles this morning and go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's pray as we get into the Word today. Father, we love you and appreciate you so much. Thank you for your, your Holy Spirit who is our teacher, who is our guide, who helps us in all things. Lord, we believe that you're at work in our hearts and lives today. We believe that you are doing a special thing in our church in our lives, to take us from where we are to where we're supposed to be, to lead us on, to lead us up. Thank you that promotion comes from above. And Lord, we submit ourselves to your blessing and promotion and healing and salvation, everything that you are. And Lord, today speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 5, let's begin reading in verse 12. It reads, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Notice, teach them uh, what? Again. Again. First principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, but for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment." And so we began sharing with you last week, based upon this passage, uh, entitled First Principles. This message entitled First Principles, because we can see that if something is ever called first, it probably ought to be first, right? And if we neglect to have that first in our life, and we, ind- we, we just think we're going to go on to next, and next, and second, and third, and fourth, and fifth, without having first in place, we're really... Um, deceiving ourselves, and, and, and it's, it's unwise to do so. We've got to make sure that first things are first, that first principles are established in our lives. And, and I see here that it was the, the writer's intention that he would take them beyond and ended up doing that, going into other things. But he said, he said to this group, you have need that I teach you these things again. And what we have in any given church that's alive is you have people that have never heard those first principles. I mean, if we're, doing, if we're being good Christians at all, we are influencing the world and being, bringing people into the kingdom of God, right? Uh, if we're just selfish, then we don't. But uh, if we're doing a good job, there's always people around that have never heard the first things. So that's the character and nature of any life-giving church. Secondly, though, he said to them, you have need that I teach you these things again. Again, why? Well, apparently some don't get it the first time. Right at the, sa- at the same time, we always need to be strengthened in what's true. We need to be undergirded and, 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 and supported in what is the foundation of what we're trying to build upon. And like the Scripture said, the, uh, the first principles I explained to you last week, uh, the first is a commencement. It's like a graduation. It's like... Uh, 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 I build upon what I have received into, do, into the rest of my life. You graduate from college and then you build your life upon that emphasis of what you studied, right? And likewise, I don't have anything, I'm not able to build upon anything unless I know for certain that these first principles are in place and they are established in my heart and life. And, and come to find out, a lot of people have jumped on to other things 
and they skip the good stuff. They skip the things that are just really of, of utmost importance in all of our lives. And so we, we were sharing with you last week about this um, topic, this first thing in the list here, repentance from dead works. Is that essential in our lives? It absolutely is. Repentance from dead works. I want to re- read a, a few more scriptures along those lines uh, today, and we'll continue on from there. But Isaiah 55. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 7. 55, Isaiah 55, verse 7. Everybody ready? Everybody say help. (laughs) Let the wicked ignore his way. Huh? Is anybody out here today besides a couple over here? Let the wicked act like his way is not wicked. No, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. What should the unrighteous man do? Forsake, forsake his way and forsake his thoughts. Does it matter what we think? I know sometimes... We give all the attention to things that we do. And, of course, what we do is of vital importance. But how many know what you do really begins with what you think? It's not important. It's not enough for us just to say, I'm going to quit doing this particular thing. No, I need to quit thinking that thing. Not only do I need to forsake wicked ways and leave wrong doing, I need to leave wrong thinking. If I don't ever leave wrong thinking, I'm going to have a tough time ever leaving wrong doing. Hmm. And, and, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a mindset in some in our world today that basically if, I, if what I do in my life doesn't directly hurt somebody else, then it's acceptable. Pretty much you can do whatever you want to do Think however you want to think. Do whatever you want, as long as you don't hurt somebody else. I don't think that's a good way to, way to approach life. I tell you, the Lord doesn't approach things that way. He doesn't say, it doesn't matter what's going on in your mind, as long as you don't actually do it. As long as you cut it off before you implement that in practice, then it's not really a big deal. No, he actually gets on the inside of people and says, let the unrighteous person forsake his thoughts. Let him turn from that way of thinking and think new. Praise God. I mean, no, you can never go somewhere that your mind hasn't already gone. (laughs) Never going to do in life. You're never going to be in life something that you haven't already conceived in your mind. And so what we think is important. Amen. Don't, don't, let, don't allow yourself to make excuses. Say, well, I, I just can't control my thoughts. Can't control my thinking. You can control it. You can actually forsake wrong thinking. You can turn from wrong thinking. See, what, what, what many times we do is we try to approach things with just, a, just mental warfare. We're going to do a battle in our mind and outwill the bad thoughts with good thoughts. Just, you know, just, just really... We're, we're fighting in there. There are scriptural ways to deal with the thoughts. There are scriptural ways to deal with the mind. 
You remember the New Testament says that we should cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Yet we ought not let ourselves just think things perpetually that are contrary to the life and nature of God. If you find yourself meditating on and worrying and thinking about negative stuff or worldly things or sinful activities, uh, stop. Now, I don't just mean that just because, well, okay, just stop. Okay, I'll stop. I realize sometimes things are more ingrained than that. It takes a little more effort. But really, this is where repentance from dead works can really help a person. It's not just in a worldly or natural fleshly sense, just I'm just going to not think that anymore. No, it is applying the mercy and the grace and ability of God that allow us to forsake something, allow us to change and turn from those things, all right? And I don't know if that sounds at this point theoretical or, 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 or something that's not applicable in your life, but I think you'll see this as we, as we go further. I, I want to continue reading. He said, let him return to the Lord. Let him do what? Return. You mean if I'm thinking wrong, I'm away from God? Well, certainly in your, th- in your thoughts you are. I'm not talking about losing salvation. But if I'm thinking wrong, I'm away from God in my mind. That not, ought not be okay with me. You know, Jesus elevated some of the, the things of the Old Testament when he was, he was teaching um, in Matthew chapter 5. And he was talking about, you've heard it said that you should not commit adultery. He said, I say, if, you look, if a man looks at a woman with lust in her heart, he's already committed adultery in his heart. And so it's like, wow, so it's not just about what we do. It's about what happens inside of us. That's what you're saying, Lord? It's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, and, and we should be recognizing that ourselves so we don't allow the enemy a foothold. We don't allow him place in our lives. Amen. We don't allow him to occupy our brain and think, well, as long as he doesn't occupy my hands and my, you know, where I go and, and that. No, no, don't let him occupy your mind. Amen. If you have bad dreams, don't discuss them. <laughs> Amen. Cast them down. What do I mean cast them down? Just immediately change your, your thinking. In, in the sense of, I'm going to put the word in there. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to get my mind on something positive and something helpful. I'm not going to allow dead thinking, unrighteous thinking to perpetuate in my mind. Because it's vital. Amen? Amen. If you find yourself uh, just being negative, uh, you don't have to be. You don't have to be a negative person. Some people were trained that way. They, they grew up and everyone was negative. Everyone was always complaining about something. Everyone was, there's always something wrong, and everybody knew it. Well, that's not a good way for a, a believer to think. Hmm. We're instructed in the Scriptures to put our mind on things that are right and lovely and of good report, and of, that are praiseworthy, right? In Philippians 4, we're instructed as to what we are to think about. And so he said here, again, let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts, let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Notice how the scripture says, when the wicked man forsakes his ways, his thoughts, the Lord will have what? Mercy on him. Is mercy, an, would that be considered an active, what would we call that? An, an active act? 
Or is it just God's backing off, he's passive? I believe when mercy is shown, it actually serves to change us and give us an ability to walk free from things that we have forsaken. One of the, now let me get back to that other point. Some of the ways that people sometimes deal with sin in their own lives, areas they fall short, sometimes people will deal with it in a real passive way. Um, Some justify. They justify what they have done wrong, and it's not a big deal, and everybody else does it, and, and, and the Lord still loves me, and... And, and, and just kind of making light of it. That's not a good idea. Okay, because you don't get free from it do, doing that. You know. Uh, so just to, sometimes people, in connection with that, they minimize. You know, like I said, it's not a, not a big deal. They just minimize it like, uh, you know, why don't make such a big deal of it. Well, I'm thinking it costs the blood of Jesus to get that off of you. So with God, it's a big deal. I never want to treat what costs so much. Like it's not important, like it's not a big deal. So I don't want to minimize, I don't want to justify my stance. Amen. You know, some say, well, people are just judging me. Well, big whoop de doo. You're still gonna get, not going to get free if you go around whining that everyone's judging you. It just, it just, get, it just gets a, a grip on you. But there is a way to deal with things scripturally in order to get free from them. And you know what it is? It's in, in this passage, he said, forsake it. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, it reads, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. See, to deny sin is foolish. To deny the reality of it or to minimize or justify is a foolish thing to do. Say, but in Christ, I'm forgiven. I know, but in practicality, it's still foolish to act like things that are, are not. Faith is not that force that calls those things that are not, or that are, as though they are not. Romans 4 says, we call those things that are not as though they are. In other words... We deal with reality. If I have a shortcoming or a bondage or a failure in my life, the Christian response to that is not, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there. Amen. Anybody ever hear about the three guys that went to hell? Well, one was a Baptist. One one was a Lutheran. Don't take me theological here. I'm not bashing these groups. And, uh, And one was a... Christian scientist, and uh, the Baptist said, Man, I didn't think I could lose my salvation, <laughs> and, uh, and the, the, the Lutheran guy said, man, I thought I was saved, <laughs> and the Christian scientist said, I am not in hell, and it is not hot, <laughs> and, uh, and don't take offense, you come from any of those backgrounds, <laughs> get the point, <laughs> uh, but anyway, to deny something that we are is a great hindrance. Something that we are, something that we've done, something we've, we've got going on inside of us is a great hindrance to us moving forward. You know, many times people try to project in their life something that they are not, especially when it comes to being around 
other believers. It comes from being around church. Sometimes people want to uh, want everyone to think that they are super mature, super spiritual. They know a lot more than they do, and they carry this air about them that I've got my act totally together. When we know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But anytime someone tries to project something that they're not, they try to act like something is there that's not there, it hinders them from actually going where they want to be. Because I want you to think I'm already there. So I'm going to act like I'm already there. But if I act like I'm already there, I'm not going to do what's necessary to get from where I am to there. Because I'm too busy acting like I'm already there. When humility will acknowledge what is, where I'm at, what's happening today so that we have the possibility of making proactive change to move forward and make the changes that are necessary. And so again, Proverbs said, if you cover your sin, you don't prosper, but he who, whoever confesses and forsakes it, they get mercy. And so God's got an amazing and, and, and incredible plan here, and that is mercy is available to all. It's like the, the floodgates of heaven. The, the doors are closed. But when someone acknowledges things, they open and mercy comes out. Then we walk away. Then we are able to forsake and be empowered by a supernatural force that allows us to literally walk free, not just act like we're free. Not just tell everyone else we're free when we're still bound. Now the reason I think some want to not deal directly with things now, I'm talking some, this is certain segments, is because we know that in Christ our sins are washed away. We know that uh, even, you know, like we shared with you last week, past, present, and future, those things are already dealt with in Christ, and so I don't lose my salvation by being bound in some sin, committing wrong acts. The Lord still loves me. I still belong to Him. But we can't let that understanding keep us from dealing with the practical reality that we're, that we're struggling with different things. And this is where repentance from dead works comes into play. And if people have never done that, they're, they're still in those dead works. They're still bound. And the Lord wants us to be free. See, we must never see sin as a light thing. Let me read you a couple of scriptures to you. You don't have to turn there. Acts 17.30 says, truly these times of ignorance God has God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. What's that language? All men. Where? Everywhere. everywhere. That pretty much covers it. <laughs> God commands all men everywhere to repent. I remember seeing a, a particular person on a, a, a Christian television show a number of years ago. This person is, is very well known nationally in politics. And... Uh, she said, as a woman, she was being interviewed, and this person was asking her about her, uh, you know, I don't remember the wording, but her, about her relationship with God, about when she got saved, that kind of thing. And this person, this uh, political person, she was basically saying that she grew up as a, in a Christian home. She was trying to explain how she pretty much considered herself a Christian all her life. You know, someone says, I've been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. <laughs> but I understand, you know, she kind of was around it her whole life. And so in her conversation, so she said, so I never really had, you know, like a born again experience. And, uh, and I thought, oh, 
I see. So you think, you know, you ever talk to the TV? <laughs> Talking inside. So you think that you never needed to be saved because you were always a Christian. You think that you've never needed the mercy of God because you were always, you always knew him. And how many know that's not true for any of us? All have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. And so even if a person, you know, my kids are growing up in church. Uh, my parents went to church when I was young, and we went with them. I still had to get saved. <laughs> my kids still have to, have to get saved, even though they have the benefit. So, and your kids have the benefit of growing up in church, but everybody has sinned. And so there has to be, for all men, everywhere, what? Repentance. At some point, I have to turn from my way from my thoughts, from my life, and forsake it, from, turn from dead works, and turn to the living God. Amen. Amen. So, but we're already, most of us, probably, you know, maybe all of us, I don't know, we're saved here. We're, we're saved. What are you talking about? Well, I have a feeling that you might be like me, and you've blown it since you were saved. And the question then becomes, what do I do about that? Do I just say, well, I'm forgiven in Christ? Because that's true. Or do I deal with it on a practical level? And I believe what we do ourselves, it doesn't change God, but we do ourselves a great disservice by ignoring, by acting like something is not serious. But we do the Word of God justice, we do ourselves a great benefit when we'll look things in the eye, if we catch ourselves you know, the light turns on, and we see we're going contrary to the character and nature of God, and we say, yeah, I did it. But Lord, you have mercy on me. But Lord, your love is unfailing, and your power is amazing, and it has been provided for me to be free. And in that acknowledgement and walking away, we don't dwell on it. We don't become sin conscious. We don't live with that in our mind. That would be totally wrong, but we deal with it and move on. It's a relational necessity. Acts 20 and verse 21, testifying to the Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice repentance and from and faith toward. We'll get back to that. And then 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. Notice he wants all to change. Remember, we gave you the definition last week. It's a change of mind. That's what repentance means. The Lord wants all to come to repentance. Not the Lord wants everybody to add a little Jesus to their life. Huh? No, it's not I just keep trucking on with my life and doing what I want to do. And hey, add a little Jesus to me. No, no. I need to forsake the old way. Forsake the way I used to be. Turn from that old worldly mindset and turn towards the Lord. That's a true repentance. And if we try to live for God and be a Christian without doing that, we're going to fall on our face. So I've always been a Christian. Have you ever repented? <laughs> Have, what do we mean? Have you ever changed your mind about the way that you thought and the way that you believe things and turn towards the Lord? We do not want to become sin conscious. No, we want to be righteous conscious. But when the light turns on and something's there, don't ignore it. 
What do I mean when the light turns on? When I become aware of something that I am doing or I'm thinking that is contrary to the ways and nature of God, I don't want to just close my eyes and it's not there, it's not there. I'm not in hell, it's not hot. You know, <laughs> I, I, no, 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 deal with it, right? Ah, that is ugly, it's contrary to God. Lord, I turn from that, and I turn to your righteous ways and your righteous thinking. Amen. I don't want to dig up the past. You know, I heard of some that encourage believers to really sit down and think and try to come up with sin that they've committed in their life. Try to think about all the wrong things that you've done. Therefore, so you can try to repent and repent of all of them. That is, oh, that is so unbiblical. That, that, we're not going to sit around thinking and trying to come up with ways to condemn and beat ourselves up. <laughs> try to think about, no, if I'm not aware of something that's there, I am righteous in Christ. Amen. I mean, that's true all the time. But I'm not trying to look for problems. Amen. So uh, I'm just praying the Lord will show me sin in my life. He's not going to. You know, we need to think about what the basis of Scripture is for some, some of the things we do. Some of the things we say, Lord, just show me where sin is. He, he's going to show you that you're righteous in Him. He's not going to show you sin. But if in my journey I come across and I, and I recognize that I'm living, thinking contrary to his ways. That's when I don't ignore it. I don't treat it like a light thing. I treat it like a serious thing. And I turn from it. I forsake it. And I go his way. And so, you know, some say, well, the church just needs to repent. The church, we need to have some repentance meetings. <laughs> well, what does that mean? When, when people say things like that, do we need to change our thinking? Well, that person does. Because we don't, sin is not the main focus of a gathering of believers. The blood of Jesus is the main focus. Uh, his grace and what, how His love for us. Do we need to have repent? We need to repent or turn from thinking that way. From thinking that God is just ticked off at us. Because we're just a bad church. <laughs> no, no. We're a washed and cleansed and spotless bride for him. The Lord has made us clean on the inside. Amen. He said, "Repent." notice the language, repentance from what kind of works? Dead works. And sometimes we think, well, that's just sin. I, I think that probably is sin. But it's also trying to do anything that will establish your own righteousness before God. When I'm trying to work my way into his favor earn my way into his acceptance, I need to repent from that. In that sense, I think there is some repentance that needs to go on in the church. People need to repent for their self-righteousness and trying to earn God's favor and love and think if we act a little bit, if I pray a little bit harder, if I read a little bit more, if I be faithful a little bit more, then God will love me and he'll heal me and he'll bless me. And No, no, we need to turn from that way of thinking. See, that's not a New Testament mindset. But I need to be satisfied in what Jesus has done on my behalf. Amen. But notice the language here. <laughs> that was my intro. <laughs> Repentance from dead works and, and ties what was said into the next thing. Repentance from works, dead works, and of faith toward God. Can you see that's almost one motion? 
I repent from dead works. In other words, I turn, I have a change of mind, and I have faith toward God. Not just I feel bad about what's done. Not just I, I'm trying to, I'm forsaking my way, and then I'm, you know, doing a 45 or, or a 90. No, I forsake my way. I turn from that and do a 180 and put my faith in God. Now, faith comes from the Greek word uh, P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis. And that word means a conviction of truth. It means assurance. It is a guarantee. It is a firm persuasion. When I say I've repented from dead works and now I have faith toward God, I am saying that I have been assured. I have been convinced. I have uh, been guaranteed something. My heart is persuaded of something that's true about God. I don't want to keep this too shallow in the sense where I just say, I have faith in God. What does that mean, I have faith in You have faith in God, what? I mean, just you believe that He is? You believe He's out there? It ought to be a little more focused in our hearts and lives. But when I have faith toward God, again, this is foundational, by the way. This is first. You don't graduate without this stuff. You don't go on to the really good stuff without this in place. I have to turn and I have to take that energy um, of what I gave towards dead works and put that in faith toward God. Where I, Now I am convinced of something. I am assured of something that God has said, that he has promised me, that he said he would deliver to me. I think one of the first principles of being uh, is, is simply being assured of your salvation and whatever God has said. What are you, con are you convinced of? What would you say that you are absolutely persuaded is true? I'm not talking real general now. Someone said, I believe the whole Bible. I believe all the Word of God. Well, yes and no. <laughs> I believe that too. But do I know every Word of God? I don't. So I don't actually have faith in everything that God has said because I don't know everything that God has said. But to whatever degree I do know what he has said, in that, to that level I can be persuaded. I can be assured, have a conviction of truth in that area. The question for us is, what are we convinced of? What are you absolutely persuaded is true about God and about what his word says? What thing has God said that you are persuaded of? No one can talk you out of it. No circumstance, nothing that happens around life could get you to back off from it. It's deeply rooted. You are convinced of it. This is a foundation of walking with God. Not... Well, you never know what God's going to do. Man, you just never know. <laughs> People say things like that with conviction. <laughs> you just never know. 
<laughs> look you in the eye with sincerity. Well, what does that say? Not that they don't have faith. They just have faith in I don't ever know. They have faith in, they believe that they can never really be assured of something. That God is somehow always a mystery. He's always unknown. And how can you have a relationship with someone who's always a mystery and always unknown? You cannot. Now, I would admit that there are things about the Lord that I don't know. There are things about Him that have escaped my understanding, but my relationship with Him is not built upon those. It is only built upon those things that I do know. And what I do know is good. I've been convinced of some things. I'm assured of certain things that God has said. And upon that basis, I can live my life. I've turned from dead works, and I've been convinced of something about him that's true. Now, that will guide me through all the other stuff in life. But if I haven't even gotten to the point in my life where God can speak, and I become convinced of that reality and of that truth, then how can I even graduate? How can I move on from graduate? I'm going straight to the unemployment line. <laughs> Degree in hand. <laughs> in Romans 4, look at, their, look at that with me real quick. Romans chapter 4. This, this speaking about Abraham, because he was given an amazing promise that he would be the father of many nations when he was old and his wife was old and his wife was barren. But something happened to him along the way. Look at verse 21. It says, And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able, also able to perform. Abraham got to a point when he became fully convinced. That doesn't mean he started out there. It doesn't mean with us that we are not necessarily I accepted the Lord so instantly I'm fully convinced of everything I need to know no he became that it took him a while you remember Sarah his wife when she first heard the news of course she was old and barren and she got word that she's going to have a baby now I don't mean she you know had a little test and saw the little line (laughs) but I mean by word of the Lord what did she do she laughed she said that's a good one I'm going to have a baby. Yeah, right. And, uh, and she laughed. But the thing is, it wasn't funny because God had said it. But she was in unbelief. She wasn't fully persuaded. But she got there. You may find yourself. And you may readily acknowledge. I don't mean you should repeat it over and over again. But acknowledging where you are is of great value. You may find yourself in unbelief. Where you say, you know what? Concerning this area, concerning this promise, concerning... Uh, God's provision, concerning healing, concerning peace and joy, or or some area of life, you may acknowledge, you know, I'm just not persuaded. I'm not fully persuaded on the inside. Acknowledging that will allow you to now do what's necessary to become that. I believe it's possible for every one of us to be persuaded. I can convince my heart. Now, I can convince it of wrong things, too. I can be persuaded of, of negative stuff. Sometimes when you watch TV, it's a good idea to respond. You know, and the report comes out, gloom, despair, and agony on me. And 
you know, what I'm talking about, some type of news report, and it's all negative, things are going down. Sometimes you just, say, you just need to say, not for me. Not going to happen in my life. Instead of just swallowing it, oh, yeah, it's bad. Oh, it hurts. No, just say, nope, not me. Not me. There's a shield around me. God's protection surrounds me every day. I'll be okay. I'll be blessed in the middle of chaos and, and despair and lack and confusion and fear. I'll be okay. Amen. Amen. Tell your TV. <laughs> you know, when a, if you're watching a program and a commercial comes on that's about three minutes long, you know, and it's, it's a new medication, a new drug to fix something, but they have to make it that long because they're required to tell you all the side effects. And you're going to have headaches and diarrhea and, and, and nausea and, and symptoms of this and that. And you could die. Uh, I would encourage you. What I like to do, if I'm watching something that comes on, I mute. I don't mind seeing the images of someone walking through the forest. And, you know, it all seems real pleasant and peaceful. Meanwhile, those words are going bam, 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 and it's just negative, negative. I don't want my heart to just feed on that stuff. Huh? I have a choice to let what in I want. And if I want to be convinced of God's word, I cannot continually feed on things that are contrary to it. I don't want to listen to negativity all day long. Some of it we can't help because we live in a world and you're going to hear it. But so as much as we can control it, Control it. Many people have faith. All believers have faith. But what is your faith toward? Is it toward junk or is it toward God? Is it towards your own activity, good works or bad works? They're all, they can both be dead. <laughs> or is your faith toward that or is your faith toward God? Many people exercise faith in the problem. They believe it's going to be bad. It's getting worse. I'm getting sick. I can't do much. I'm of little value. And they, they, and they talk like that. And they think like that. Well, they're becoming persuaded. That's what faith toward God is. It's being assured, being persuaded, convinced of something. But we can be convinced of greater things. God's word is true. Amen. I can be convinced that what Jesus did for me was and is sufficient. It's enough to carry me all through life. Amen. Amen. He is my provision, my sustenance, and my life. And these things, man, these, this is powerful stuff. Yet according to the Word, if these things aren't in place, you don't go any further. You're not able to comprehend and, and understand other issues. You know, passage we read verses right before it. Paul said, I wanted to talk to you about some other things. He's talking about Melchizedek. And so he said, I wanted to talk to you about it, but I can't. I'm not able to get it out because you're not ready to hear it. I wonder in my life, what have I skipped over? And God wants to talk to me about something else, but he just can't get through to me because I've skipped some other areas. Amen. Let's get all our ducks in a row. Get everything lined up so we can move on and progress from where we're at.
Amen. All right, let's pray today. Father, we're we're, we're blessed with your word. We're blessed with your mighty power, your amazing love, your grace and kindness toward us who believe. We are blessed to be in and not out. We're in the kingdom. We're not on the outside. We're blessed because you love us, because you're faithful. And Lord, we give you all the praise and glory for all that's done. Every good thing that happens in our lives, we acknowledge that you are the source. That you are the answer. That you are our hope and our provision. For every negative thing, Lord, we we stand on your side against it. We resist the devil and he flees. But Lord, we take you at your word. May we be convinced of everything you've said. We purpose in our hearts to make that the case. And thank you, Lord, for leading us on from where we are to where you want us to be. Help us to grow, to grow and become a full age. Full age, not just projecting that for someone else's benefit, but, Lord, a full age in your eyes, mature, able to discern and rightly divide the truth. Lord, for this we're thankful. We give you praise and glory for working it in our hearts and lives today. You're at work doing something special. Oh, we acknowledge you. We glorify you. Oh, I thank you for that, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things will still be done. More than we have seen. More than we have known. Greater things will still be shown. By His power. By God's amazing spirit. They will be done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise for, what, for all that will happen and all that is transpiring in our lives. Our best days are yet to come. Our best days are yet to come. Say it out loud with me. I'm going up. I'm going higher. I will learn more. I will see more. I will walk in more that the Lord has for me. He is my source. He is my provision. And He is limitless. He is eternal. And so I go higher. And I walk with Him. Amen. Praise God. The Lord is good. Well, we don't have a bad report today. Don't have any bad news. We have good news. We have good news. So I have bad news. Well, I have good news. My good news trumps your bad news. <laughs> I know there's bad news in the world. But there's good news in him. Amen. Praise God.